Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mercy is the mark of a great man. Oh. Oh. Guess I'm just a good man. Oh. Well, I'm all right. You are not Captain Kirk. You do not belong in charge of the Enterprise and I shall do everything in my power against you. You know what the chain of command is? It's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in command here. Frequently appalled by the low regard you Earthmen have for life. Another exciting, excruciatingly painful, and post-pounding edition of SFP Now. <laughs> um, our guest, our interview on today's show is with a uh, director, writer, and producer Paul Nicoletus, who will be talking about an, a short movie project he has in development uh, called Icarus Down, which you know, kind of you know, from the trailer that I've seen, it looks very similar to Alien, but it's um, got a bit of a different storyline to that. So. It's something we can look forward to, and we'll be talking about that with Paul Nicoletus uh, a bit later on. Uh, meanwhile, joining me for some news and reviews is my good old friend, Patrick Hayes. And now, last week in news. How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm not so bad. I'm a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've just had a beer, so I'm a bit all over the place. But it's powerful beer, it's sort of like it's, you know, it comes in bottles that are about a pint and a half, yeah? Oh. And the uh, volume of alcohol in it is about 4.5%, so I'm understandably wow. tipsy <laughs> <laughs> after that. I only have I only ever have one of those because, you know, if you have two, I'd, 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 I'd probably be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, news and reviews and stuff like that. I think the big news for the last couple of weeks would be the. Um, I mean, it's a while since we've done news and reviews, and we did do news with Reese and last week, but we didn't really touch on it too much. Was the um, discovery of the nine Patrick Troughton episodes of Doctor Who? I think we may have touched on it very briefly, but I figured it's worth revisiting since I've actually watched the Yeti now, the Web Affair. And I've started watching uh, Enemy of the World, and um, I'm just wondering if uh, you had any thoughts on it. I'm dying to see them. Um, Patrick Troughton's one of my favorite doctors, and I'm so disappointed that I haven't seen all the stuff you've gotten to see it. I would love to see this stuff. I can't wait for it to get released officially. It's out officially. It's on iTunes. I, I don't have iTunes. I, I don't. I try to stay away from iTunes. Had a bad experience with my daughter on iTunes, so. Ah, right. 
But I, I want the official, I want like a DVD release where it's got like all the little extras and I want to know where they found it, how they found it, who had it. I want all that stuff. So I, I'm waiting for the big DVD rollout. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you know, so I think you're probably waiting a while for that, to be honest, um, because they're, they're quite busy with the, um, you know, with the Terror of the Zygons release, the Zygons release of Tom Baker and um, and, right. and, and uh, the, the 10th Planet. And, uh, yeah, I I'll, be, uh, I'll be posting a review of uh, Terror of the Zygons. I got a copy of it um, sent to me from the BBC uh, two weeks ago. Cool. And it was uh, it was outstanding. It's, it was one of my favorite shows when I was a kid, and it exceeded every expectation I had recalled from it. It was fantastic. All right. Um, I mean, I, I I don't I don't actually remember seeing that episode when I was a kid. Was that was Sarah James doing his assistant on that one? Yes, it was Sarah Sarah James in it, and uh, it's the last one with Harry. Ah, uh, right. That's probably why I've not seen it because um, I would have been about probably around about uh, seventy three. Was it? Uh, no, later than that, about seventy five. Seventy five. I, I probably would have been only about five five when that came out, sort of thing, and um, probably would have been seen dot two, but you know didn't really start compre comprehending and actually getting it to around right. about 76, 77 when The Hand of Fear came out. Right. Because that's my first actual Doctor Who memory is The Hand of Fear. Oh, wow. See, I, I can remember watching uh, um, the original Silurians episodes. Ah, well, you know, you, 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 probably, uh, you probably picked up on it and latched onto Doctor Who a little bit quicker than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't have much sci-fi at the time going on here, so Doctor Who was more than welcome. Plus, <laughs> um, I, I guess you might have been older than me by the time you actually got Dot 2 in the States because it was it was really Tom Baker's uh, run that got you noticed in the States I guess yeah yeah that's when I remember seeing it but I mean they were playing some before that as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, but yeah, I can, t I can t tell you one thing. Um, I really enjoyed Web of Fear. Um, it's a little bit disappointing episode three because uh, they they haven't recovered episode three of it. They just sort of basically had the soundtrack with photographs. Oh. And I'm hoping that if they do 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 an official release of it, that they actually animate that third episode. Like they did with the Patrick Troughton one, yeah. Yeah, like, like they did with the Patrick Troughton one, and also like they did with the Tenth uh, Planet one as well. Right, because you know, watching you know watching some photos while the soundtrack's playing on, it's not it's not particularly exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but I, something does it. I didn't e I didn't even watch that episode. I just listened to the soundtrack while I was doing something else and re-engage fully with the fourth episode. But the um the the, the actual um, Web of Fear is the very first episode to feature Methbridge Stewart. Oh wow. Um and he's a colonel in that, he's not a brigadier. Um Oh wow. But it's a, it's a it's it was a really cool cool episode with the Yeti and um and stuff like that. See, I'd love to see the Yeti, because all I've seen is just photographs, and I think, uh, I can't remember if the uh, Yeti was in the um, the big uh, anniversary episode. It was briefly, yeah, uh, but you didn't really see much of it, because uh, the Brigadier and the Doctor were actually in a cave. Right. And, and they, very, they did a very quick glance of it, but, you know, it wasn't really a big deal. Uh, but in the uh, Web of Fear, you see um, you see quite a few Yetis. Oh wow, that'd be great! And um, I think the first one, the Yeti, I don't know what the first episode, the f very first episode to feature the Yeti was. I'm not sure if it's even been recovered or if it's something that still remains lost. But um, the very first one's actually set in Tibet, and this and Web of Fear is kind of like a sequel to it. And right. it's really funny because uh, they basically it, it, it takes advantage of Doctor being a time traveller because uh, 
you know, he bumps into the same scientist years later and this same scientist has aged and he oh. hasn't. So you've got yeah. that whole thing going on. Oh, that's cool. You know? Um, so it's um, it's 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 quite 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 an entertaining and and, uh, and good episode, and there's also an element of paranoia uh, because it's also got the it also uses great intelligence as well, which is being reused in modern Doctor Who. Right. Um, so that that's part of the Yeti thing, but it's uh, I I found it quite an enjoyable story. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I I want those to come out officially so badly on DVD. <laughs> mm-hmm. Enemy of the World, though, uh, the Enemy of the World is basically uh, the Doctor meets a, a duplicate of himself who's like a, a wannabe fascist dictator. <laughs> oh, jeez. And it's kind of like an imperson, you know, basically he has to impersonate him sort of thing. Uh, I won't go right. too much into it because, it, you know, if I say anything else, it will just ruin it. But um, um, that that's basically Enemy of the World. Um, out of the two, I preferred the Web Affair. Right. Now, is Enemy of the World, does it have a scene where, without giving anything away, does the Doctor get to struggle with the Doctor physically? Does he get to struggle with his alternate self? I've not got that far yet. Uh, okay. So I'm not seeing whether that actually happens or not. Um, I'm only... Um, I, I got... Got as far as episode two because that would be that would be great because that's a that's a classic Star Trek episode where Kirk is fight good Kirk is fighting evil Kirk in an episode called um, the Enemy Within mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a classic cheese fest. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that episode actually uh, where 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 evil Kirk um, you know so like uh, becomes very very infatuated with with Rand and yes you know, yeah. Um, to be honest, I can't see why I'd become very infatuated with Rand, but there you go. <laughs> well, they didn't have too many other women running around the ship at the time, so... They didn't. They, they had Rand and Ahura, and I, I would have taken Ahura over Rand anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, that said, I, I am sort of like, I am sort of like biased to, uh, you know, um, to, to brunettes or, you know, or, or, or ethnic walking women. <laughs> 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 Blonde hair, blue eyes, just doesn't do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, quite quite a bit of news going on. Um, we've had. Um, I'm not sure if you've made any notes. I've made a couple. I've got some things. Okay. Well, do you do you want to go with some some of your things? Sure. Um, came out uh, just yesterday that, um, that we might have a lead actor for the uh, fourth Jurassic Park movie, Jurassic World. I don't know if you heard about that. Um, I've not heard about the lead actor, but I've heard about them renaming the uh, Jurassic Park franchise to Jurassic World. Yeah, it's, uh, it looks like it could be, and I think this would be a good choice if it happens, Josh Brolin mm. as the lead. Yeah, I mean, they could, all, they could also get James Brolin in to play his dad. Yeah, I mean, why not? But um, I think he'd be good. He's, he can do action. Um, he pro- proved he could do that in, uh, in uh, oh, geez, in True Grit. He's definitely can handle a gun he can run about he's got the look of an adventure i say josh brolin would be great for uh jurassic jurassic world exactly and and also uh, josh brolin was a series regular on a, a tv series back in the day called um called the young riders uh, yeah. where he played uh, i think he played um wild bill hickok oh yeah that's right that. Um, so that, that's where his uh, where his chops come from in regards to handling a gun, and also Stephen Baldwin was in that, and he played um, I think he played the the other wild the other Bill yeah um, Bill Cody I think um, but yeah Josh Brolin goes way back to that, and obviously um, he's got quite quite a bit of a genre credentials behind him oh yeah you know um, um, I will not mention Jonah Hex because well. <laughs> 
it, oh. imminently forgettable movie. <laughs> yeah, I had my fingers crossed it could have been something, and yeah. I, I kind of I kind of rented it and, you know, fell asleep about, after about the first 20 minutes. You made the wise decision. Well, I have seen, I did see him in True Grit. In True, in, uh, was, was it True Grit? Um, true, oh man, I'm thinking the one... Uh, yeah, I believe it's True Grit, yeah. Yeah, the remake of True Grit, and I thought, I thought it was pretty good in that. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm hoping that the movie by the change in title, Jurassic World, we uh, kind of get what the uh, last book by Michael Crichton was hinting at, and that the dinosaurs, just through being wild animals, have um, crossed into other continents. So maybe we'll have dinosaur infestation in different parts of the world. Ooh, that'd be cool. Yeah, you've got those pteranodons. They're going to be flying around any place with big, tall buildings, maybe through the Grand Canyon even. Yeah, you've got velociraptors. They're going to uh, song like invade uh, high tower rises and stuff. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. Yeah. What, People what, going for a run in the park, and something's chasing after him in the park. Yeah, and, and then, you know, Velociraptor develops human intelligence and um, get, gets a machine gun and sawn off shotgun and you know, starts <laughs> to hunt human beings down in a tower, tower rise. You know? <laughs> and I would pay to see that. We call it, we call it Rapture Heart. <laughs> Rapture Heart. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, you know, sort of, you know, we could, we could get voice, we could get Bruce Willis to voice the part. And he'd probably do it. <laughs> um, he probably would, but he'd probably refuse to do the interviews after the fact, and you know, yeah. just be really awkward. <laughs> yeah, he he cashed the check and walked. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He literally did do that with Die Hard and and a few and a few other films this year. He, he was actually being interviewed by by a guy for a British television about uh, Reds Two. Oh yeah. And oh man, he he, he just saw like he, he he just he was so disengaged. He just didn't want to be interviewed by the guy. He was being proper awkward. I, c- I could believe it. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I kind of think, well, you know, you've you, you made this money, you've sort of like had this great career and, you know, sort of like in, you, you're going around treating people like shit like that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's I I figure that's part of the paycheck. You you bought into the movie, you got paid, you should go out and promote it. Exactly, you know, and and you should be happy to go out and promote it and not, not, not giving people a shit time. But that said, this particular uh, interviewer was asking him some pretty lame questions, so he kind of asked for it. Oh, well, yeah, I could see that too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, but that's, that'd be cool, Josh Brolin, um, you know, and, and hopefully it, it actually is big for him, because Josh Brolin, he's never, he's never re- really hit the heady heights of a box office stardom, hasn't he, really? He's always been there and thereabouts. Yeah, he's always been like a... Um a good supporting actor or even a, a good villain but never the lead so this would be a good opportunity for him yeah and I'd, you know he's sort of he's sort of up to that you kind of want to see his career catch on to something yeah it's a little bit like Robert Downey Jr I mean you know Downey Jr was around for years and he had his problems sort of thing and it wasn't really until Iron Man that you know his career really caught on to something right well he he did a really. He, I think he kind of peaked with a uh, Chaplin because he got nominated for the Oscar for Chaplin. Yeah, he, he should have right won. After the, he didn't win, he crashed. Yeah, he should have won the Oscar for Chaplin Ring, and that was a brilliant film. Yeah, and he's terrific in it. Mm, he, he was fantastic in it. You know, thought his accent was brilliant and uh, and stuff like that. Um, well, you know, I've got um, you know, I've got some news for the British side. Uh, there's a new show coming out called the uh, the Originals, which is basically a sequel to the uh, Vampire Diaries. And oh, yeah. Sci-Fi UK has grabbed hold of that, and it's going to be airing on the 22nd of October. And that's getting some uh, big ratings here in the US. I think they're on issue episode uh, 
two or three. At least they've done two, I'm pretty sure, of aired. Boy, it's popular. Yeah, it's popular, but it's not my thing. It's like it's um, it's made for the uh, made for the tween ages, isn't it, Ringy D? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's working. <laughs> right. And uh, another another bit of news is um, Blue Water um, Entertainment, uh, who who are based out of Washington, uh, they're releasing a, a new tribute book uh, to the author L. Frank Baum. It's kind of like an autobiographical comic book that they're doing. Um, and it's titled uh, Tribute L. Frank Baum for Wizard of Oz, and it's kind of like his life story. Right. Um, and I, I thought I'd mention that because Blue Water have been sending me quite a lot of stuff, and uh, this this is something that's kind of cool, and it's also relevant because um, I think the Wizard of Oz is celebrating 75 years this year, right? Yep, yep. Uh, and it's got um, two TV series in the deal. Two different versions of Oz will be coming out soon. Actually, three. Oh my gosh, now there's three. There was another one announced earlier this week. <laughs> oh my gosh, you shake time. a stick and it pops up. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's, get, it's getting a bit daft. Um, well, that, all that free stuff is is people are jumping at it. I mean, I got it. You got to blame uh, Once Upon a Time success on that. Everybody's going for the old school uh, classic fairy tale fantasy stuff to reinvent it. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, it is. It, as you say, right? You say it and point out it is free because it's no longer under copyright. It's public right. domain. Um, but then again, I think Sherlock Holmes is public domain as well, right? Yep, that is well. Yeah, there's there's quite a bit of stuff that's public in the main that you know. So like, it makes you wonder why why we haven't seen a Doc Savage movie yet. Yeah, boy, I'd love to see a Doc Savage movie. Yeah, I I love to see a Doc Savage movie. Uh, quite simply because the one with Ron Eli wasn't really particularly very good. No, 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 and it didn't help that it was uh, I believe produced by Lorenzo Semple, who did the uh, '60s Batman TV series. Mm-hmm. And what also didn't help was that, you know, it was produced in, I think it was made and produced around about 77, 76 when Star Wars came out. Uh, a little earlier than that, but yeah, about that time, um, mid-70s. You know, it came out around at the time where the where the rules for movie making were changing. Yeah. And uh, people were expecting uh, more effects and stuff in the films. Right. I know that the um, Dynamite's going to be putting out a brand new Doc Savage comic. They're going to take a stab at it, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I keep forgetting to uh, ask my comic store to, uh, you know, match me onto that. Yeah, it should be coming out pretty soon in the next couple of weeks, I think. All right, I better get better get in touch with them. Um, gonna have to think of what I need, to, what I can drop. I might actually drop one of the Batman comics <laughs> because you know my 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 pull list per month is getting ridiculous. It's costing me about thirty or forty quid a month. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, that, that is a lot. <laughs> you know, and it's you know it's, you know, it's cross multiple titles, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna need to start getting really really choosy. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, I just read today that um, Dark Horse is going to uh, relaunch their um, Aliens and Predator franchise. Oh, cool. I mean, I never even got into that. I, got, I, I quite enjoyed the video games that they did. The um, the comics, when they came out in the 80s, I was in high school when they originally came out, and um, that first couple runs of Aliens and Predator are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's just gorgeous art, and it was it was in black and white. There was no color in it from Dark Horse for those um, early issues, and they're just they're classics as far as I'm concerned. They're just gorgeous art and great stories. Yeah, I mean, it's been like the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics. Right. When, when they came out, they, they they hit really big with um with, with a niche audience and um, but got the attention of Hollywood and then when Hollywood got hold of it it kind of like completely destroyed it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm joking around a little bit there, but you know basically I'm talking about movies. 
right? I, I, right. I didn't we got another one of those coming out soon. Yeah. I enjoyed the old cartoon series that they did back in the eighties. Right. I, I think it was a um, plugging late eighties, early nineties. I remember what I remember rushing home from college to watch it in the nineties. Right. Oh yeah, it was everybody was watching it here in the states. You know, and and that was um, I was sort of like early twenties and late late teens when that came out. And my mother would sort of like just look at me with utter despair. <laughs> He's watching cartoons. <laughs> He's watching bloody turtles. Bloody hell, I don't get this. <laughs> They're eating pizza. <laughs> oh, just one of those things. Um, so do you, have anything, do you have anything else? Yeah, I've got the most bizarre story I think of the week, and I dare anyone to top this. Um, I don't watch Once Upon a Time. I've tried to watch it a couple times. I just couldn't get into it. It's just been announced that they've cast an actor to play a character that's been reappearing only in voice. The character is called the Shadow. Now, it's not the classic 1920s turn-of-the-century shadow. It's just a shadow character. But evidently, it's been reported on a couple websites, reputable ones, Marilyn Manson will be joining Once Upon a Time. Oh, dear. I just thought, wow, that's either going to be a train wreck or something that you can't miss. <laughs> they should have cast August Cooper. I don't maybe Alice wasn't available or he wasn't interested. Marilyn Manson's been popping up in little cameos and stuff on uh, cable series here in the States. So when I read that, I wasn't too surprised. But still, I was like, Marilyn Manson on Once Upon a Time? What is this going to be like? Pretty shocking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're going to have to hide all the kids from the TV. Yeah, you probably snit a baby's throat on live on TV. <laughs> and then spit at the cameras. <laughs> yeah, but I'm... I'm I gotta admit, I'm really curious. I want to know what's he gonna do and what's it gonna sound like. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, if they want to stir things up a little bit, they could always cast Dieter von Tees, his ex. There you go. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that that really stirred, set the cat among the pigeons and stir things up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, that, that's a bit bit of a weird one. Um, um, yeah. I'm, I, I've, got, I've got to admit, I didn't get to read your last review on Avengers, so uh, on, on the um, new um, Avengers series, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I did see the new episode tonight, the fourth episode, and I don't know, it seems to be getting a bit better, but I felt that like the enemy in this one was a little bit dated with the uh, bionic eye sort of thing. It kind yeah. of put me in mind of sort of like maybe, you know, an episode of the, of, of the bionic woman 40 years ago. Yeah, I think what they're doing is they're, they've, I, I trust Joss Whedon. I'm sure he's got a big overlying arc for the whole season, but it seems like they're going in the direction of this whole cybernetic thing, which is kind of giving credence that um, Agent Coulson, it's ob obviously he died in Avengers, but Agent Coulson is obviously a clone or he's a machine. Yeah. They, they, and, and if he's a machine, that gives credence to he might be, because people have been saying for over a year, that he might be um, the superhero, the, the Vision, which would be outstanding. Mm, yeah, I mean, you know, he could, could even, you know, if they, hadn't, and if they hadn't given the plot away that Jarvis was Ultron in the next Avengers movie, right. um, he could have even been Ultron. Yeah. Um, but you know the um, it was it was kind of like insinuated that it's not the same Agent Coulson when the um, when the ex agent that they picked up with a bionic eye so I said what happened to him yeah so yeah. they keep hitting that I have a feeling that's going to be the big reveal at the end of the season they got picked up for a whole year or so. I'm sure they'll be doling that out slowly to us. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that they don't dole it out too slowly because the uh, the ratings have, have uh, snipped off now, haven't they? Yeah, well, they're going to because now you've got a bunch of other shows going and the Curious are pretty much done after one. I thought the episode with, um, it's called I Spy, 
I thought that was the uh, weakest episode so far. Wasn't too crazy about it. Was that the episode that I've seen tonight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't too crazy. I like the nice little reveal at the end where we get to see the uh, the ultimate bad guy. I thought that was a good surprise. But overall, it was just kind of eh, not the greatest. Yeah, yeah. I kind kind of thought it was okay, but then again, I'm not really seeing enough of it. I'm not being totally blown away by it, to be honest. Yeah, overall. but I'm I'm hoping it's a slow build, and it seems like they're they're doing slow builds. So I'm waiting for bigger stuff to happen. On on a completely separate note, uh, the uh, new Atlantis series um, is going to start airing in the states on the 23rd of November oh, on wow. BBC America. Um, Finally. And you know, I've I've seen I I just watched the fourth episode earlier this evening um, on the BBC previews website, and you know the fourth one was quite a fun one. Um, you know, as in the uh, as in the three main characters end up um, adopting a, a baby for a little while, so it had it kind of had the uh, comedic element of sort of like three men and a baby sort of thing. It's three Greeks and a baby. Yeah, so that that sort of thing going on, and uh, and obviously there was a slightly bigger storyline to it, which I won't go into. But um, it was quite quite a fun episode. Um, last week's episode, though, the one that aired um, the third episode, is probably the best of the season for me. Oh, okay. So far. Um, the first and second episode were sort of like there and thereabouts, but I've been more impressed with uh, Atlantis overall than I have been with with um, Agents of Shield. Right. Yeah. I'm dying. I'm dying to see that series. I want to see it. Well, you've not got long to wait now. Twenty third of November. Same, yeah, just a month. Same day yeah. as Doctor Who. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> I can't wait for that either. Looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and that's all anybody talks at work. Anybody who knows me comes up and goes, what have you heard? Have you seen the pictures? Do you know? I go, I don't know. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be good. <laughs> well, they did put, BBC America did release uh, three new pictures um, earlier this week. Yeah, I saw those. But there was no, no great reveals in them or anything like that. Um, Stephen Moffat's done really well to keep a lot of stuff on, under his belt. I mean, the only thing we know really about is that the Daleks are going to feature and the Zygons are going to feature and there's um, this third Doctor that no one's ever heard of. Right. And and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm really impressed on how they've kept um, no spoilers coming out of it. It's, it is impressive. Mm. It, it is. I think, I, think, I think they must have been taking lessons from J.J. Abrams. <laughs> You know, on on the first uh, Star Trek, on on the first Star Trek movie, not not so much right. the second Star Trek movie, because uh, pretty much they said it, they 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 were rejecting it was Khan the moment that you know they they mentioned Khan right. and they kept us dancing around for two three years about it, which is part and parcel why I was really disappointed when it turned out to be Khan, and the way yeah. that they did it was was because of that. I was I was really, really hoping that it'd be Gary Mitchum or something else and something entirely different. Right. Um Yeah, hopefully the third movie they come around and fix it. Hopefully they do. Um and um you know I don't think JJ Abrams be directing that one either. No, he's he said he's not going to, so there'll be a call out soon I'm sure where they officially make the announcement. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, do you have anything else for them? That's about it. That's what I've got for this week. Okay, that's cool. Um, we're going to hand on over to the uh, interview with uh, Paul Nicoladis, um in which he'll be talking about um, you know, his, uh, his movie, uh, Icarus Down. Da, da, da! Brace for impact! Icarus Down! I repeat, Icarus Down! No, stay with 
me. The bay is on fire. So only able to salvage two suits. Get out of here. I'd like to welcome a director and screenwriter, Paul Nicoletus, to the show. Um, he's uh, joining us to talk about a, a new short film that he's uh, been involved with called Icarus, which, um, from what I've seen of it, it looks uh, very, very exciting. So, Paul, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very much, Ian. Happy to be here. Cool. How, you know... Um, First of first of all, um, how, how did you um, actually um, get into uh, getting to, to, to filmmaking? Well, it's, uh, it started when I was a young child, uh, growing up in Greece. Uh, my father was a sea captain, and he would go on for six months at a time, be at sea. And a lot of time, he would just, you know, after he'd take care of business, he'd be kind of bored, so he'd be watching movies a lot. So he would buy a lot of movies to keep him busy. And when he would come back, he would bring these boxes full of movies that then I would have the whole year to watch. And that sort of became the relationship that I built with my father of watching movies together. We both loved doing that. Plus, he would leave me all these boxes full of movies. And, you know, it just became a thing because in Greece in the 80s, they wouldn't play movies like that. You'd have the movie theaters, but you would have Greek movies on TV. And that wasn't really I wasn't really interested in that. Mm-hmm. So that's really where my passion for film started. But it wasn't until I moved to Florida when I was about 13 that it kind of sort of clicked that I decided, I said, you know what, this is what I want to do. I want to be, at the time I didn't know it was directing, but I knew I wanted to be involved with filmmaking in some way. And later it developed uh, as to being a director. Cool. Um, now, you've, you've got a new film um, out now, which has uh, been, been doing quite a lot of, um, you know, do, doing the rounds um, on, the, on the net card, uh, Icarus Down. Um, it did really, really well on Indiegogo as far as, uh, as far as you know, it got the funding that was needed. Um, what made you choose Indiegogo, say, over the other big crowdfunding uh, website, Kickstarter? Well, I had used Kickstarter in the past unsuccessfully for another short that I did. And when I was starting reading more of the fine print, not that Kickstarter is bad, it's they both equally great. But for my benefits, Indiegogo worked better because even though you might not raise your full goal, you still get to keep whatever it is you do raise. So let's say I wanted 15000 but I only raised ten. Indiegogo will let me keep that ten, whereas Kickstarter would not unless I met the goal. So for me, 10000 was still better than nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was the deciding factor. Um, for, for our readers and listeners, Listeners, but but perhaps not in a know about Icarus Down. Um, how do you how would you describe it to them? Well, it's a sci-fi sh- action short film uh, that takes place during a crash scene and right after the crash scene of a crew that lands in an unknown planet and they're carrying something in the ship that the crew members do not know what it is, but it is of high importance, and that is the catalyst for everything that happens throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I saw like I was looking at the uh, trailer um, for the film, and um, it seemed uh, to have that very, very song like claustrophobic type of feel that the uh, first Ridley Scott Alien film had. Um, was was that was that something that you were going for? Oh yeah, for a hundred percent. A lot of my influences stem from those. 1970s, 1980s classic sci-fi films, uh, James Cameron, Aliens, Ridley Scott's first Alien, and even some of the Spielberg things, Not even though they may not be as dark, they have certain elements of it as well. Uh, and those would be my main influences, especially growing up watching those kind of films. The influences kind of, you know, melt together and create what I would like to one day have my own style. But yes, definitely there are a lot of influence with those because, I mean, they're great filmmakers. It's undeniable to have a great influence like that. Mm-hmm. 
you you were you've currently got your own production company. I'm not sure if it's yours or if it's yours and somebody else's, but you were uh, you currently work for a company called Reloaded Films. Um, how, how did that you know company come into come into being, um, and and what other films have you guys produced today? Um, well, the, the company started by me and my sister Teddy Nicoletos and our producing partner Christian Nicolemberg, and we started it when we went to the Berlin Film Festival earlier this year, and uh, we had already done a project beforehand. Uh, while we were developing the company called Kill Shelter, which is also online. It's also a sci-fi action short. Um, and those are the two projects that we've worked on under Reloaded Films. Uh, we started the company because we wanted to work together and we wanted to pull our resources and all the connections that we have to create you know, high concept uh, with big production value projects. Uh, stemming with all the ideas that we have and try to create uh, the best stuff that we can. And that's what we're doing now. We have several other projects that we're working on uh, after it goes down. Mm. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Kill Shelter? Because I've seen, I, I, I was looking at the uh, at, at, at your website there and um, I watched the trailer for that and I got, got to admit it, so like, uh, that, that also looked pretty cool. Yeah, Kill Shelter, it's, it's a little bit different. It's still in the sci-fi realm, but it, uh, it has to do more with, with aliens. And the concept of, of Kill Shelter was uh, originally to be a pitch for a feature film, and it's a, it goes something like this: uh, an alien invasion happens on Earth, and they abduct human beings to neuter them because the, uh, they cannot reproduce, and they're trying to merge alien DNA with human DNA in order to continue their species. So this guy is caught in this facility where they're doing human experimentation, and he escapes and he fights these aliens. That's the the short film. Um, yeah, I mean, it was very difficult. We it's been going to festivals, and it actually has gotten some awards, which is pretty good. And uh, at the same time, we have both these films going to festivals. So, you know, that's great. Um, you, you, you're producing, you know, not, not, you know, a few sci-fi shots for, um, for, for the online uh, viewer, uh, viewership. Have you ever given any thought to maybe, you know, taking one of your ideas and expanding on it to a point of maybe producing it as a web series? It, we, we have thought about that, yes. Uh, not so much with the, with the sci-fi, because in terms of visual effects, it takes more time. And it's harder and it costs more money. But we have thought of doing web series with complex stories, but more simpler in terms of the making of it. Where it doesn't require so much visual effects because that's really what takes most of the time and money. And, and it, sometimes it's not really cost effective. Mm-hmm. I, just thought, I just thought I'd ask that one because um, you know, I, I was actually a producer on a web series um, last year. Um, a friend of mine, he's a filmmaker. And he, he, you know, he got me on board to help him promote it through, throughout various websites and podcasts and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I ended up as, as a producer on this thing. And you know, I didn't really do that much other than sort of help pass the word around and um, and and be there screaming moral support across Skype. And that's still important. <laughs> but um, you know, ever since I've had this beam upon it about asking filmmakers if they've ever thought of may- maybe taking one of their ideas in- into the realm of web series, because it seems to be it seems to me that um, the web series is kind of like. Uh, evolving into what cable was back in the 80s. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and I think it's definitely heading in that direction. Um, if it's not there now, definitely within five years it will be there, because there's a lot of people, especially that spend a lot of time on the internet, whether they're looking at short films or any kind of web content, they're still on the internet. So I think, give it a few years, 
and then people will be more interested in watching some program on TV, especially if it's a web series. At the moment, a lot of web series are catered towards younger viewers, uh, like that uh, video game high school that's been very successful, but I don't watch it, but I know a lot of kids that watch it, you know? So they, there are people out there making web series. It's just once it reaches a certain quality, I mean, not quality, certain level of, I would say, maturity, maybe then I would consider it more. Mm -hmm. Um, what what film directors um, would you say have been the most influence on on you creatively? Uh, definitely Steven Spielberg, James Cameron, Ridley Scott would be my top three. And in my later years, Martin Scorsese has been a great sense, a great source of inspiration for me. I would say. Mm -hmm. um, do, do you uh, do, 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 do you uh, actually have a specific favorite movie from Scorsese? Uh, Goodfellas would have to be it. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pesci in Goodfellas was awesome. Yeah, he was great. <laughs> um, okay, well, you know, so like, uh, I think um, we, we've got everything that we, we, we need here. And, and just wondering, is there any, any other projects that you've got ongoing that you'd like to uh, quickly mention? Uh, well, at the moment, we're concentrating on trying to get Icarus down into as many festivals as possible so that we can promote it and potentially create the feature film based off the short. That is our main objective at the moment. We do have other projects that are kind of waiting and we're developing at the same time as well, you know, feature films. Uh, but we really want to see how far Icarus Down takes us before we can we can concentrate our efforts in other projects. Okay, well, I'll keep my fingers crossed that, 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 it's, uh, that it becomes a, a very successful film for you. Um, from, from what I've seen of it in the trailer, I've not seen the whole film, I've only really seen the trailer, um, it, it looks like something that, that, that would interest me in see, seeing the whole thing. Oh, well, thank you very much, Ian. Appreciate yeah, that. And uh, where are you based off of here? Um, I'm based in Manchester in the northwest of England. Okay, nice. Yeah, I studied in London. That's Yeah, yeah London's uh, an interesting place. Yeah, I like, I like London. It was good. You know, I spent four years there. It was... It was very good. I enjoyed it. I've only ever been to London once, believe it or not. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I lived there for years. I never went to Manchester. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like one of those things. It's always there. You can go whenever you want. So there, you know, so you just leave it. Yeah. I, I um, the, the one time I went to London, um, I was involved in theatre um, before I got into this. I was actually uh, a budding actor. Mm. Um, I did a lot of theatrical stuff, um, a little bit of musical theatre. Nice. And um, what you know, what happened is a, a theatre company that I was with at the time. We uh, we won a competition uh, for the right to uh, perform on the Granada stage in Manchester, and also to have our have our play, which was totally devised and written by us all, made into a TV into a TV play to be shown on a programme called Celebration, which was back in the 1990s, early 90s. And what happened as part and parcel of that, we, we were actually uh, given a weekend uh, trip to uh, London uh, to go see Amy's Rab. Oh, yeah. And uh, a couple of other plays on on, um, on London's West End, so you know, so like um, it was quite quite an experience, and I got you know great memories of that of that one trip. But you know, I've never really been back. Oh well, yeah, I mean, it's right there. Was a three-hour train ride. And it's two-hour train right now. It's trouble yeah. is, it's you know, trains are just so expensive here in the UK. That's true. Know? Yeah, just ludicrous. I mean, cost of living here in the UK is terrible. Not only that, even if you have to go there, you go for a week and you have to stay there. It's also expensive. So I understand. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's, it's been really nice uh, speaking to you, and uh, I really, I really hope we uh, we cross paths again. It'd be, be nice to like, catch up with you and uh, speak to you about any new projects that you have coming out in future. Yeah, absolutely. And, and once the uh, the film is complete, I'll be sure to you know kind of send it to you so you can take a look at it. That'd be brilliant. 
Um, anyway, thanks, thanks a lot for your time, and um, the best of luck with it. Oh, thank you very much. Keep yeah. my fingers crossed for you. Okay, bye. bye. so valuable that it's worth the life of my entire crew. science fiction drama envisioned stories that were happening where no one had gone before, discovering and exploring other worlds far, far away. While many of these series and films became cult classics, somewhere along the way, this genre got lost. Imagine if there was a place where you could go watch exciting new space opera series made specifically for the niche audience that you are. Imagine if this place was conducted by a team as passionate as you about science fiction, and who would use all their background experience to make sure you get the best entertainment possible. SOS is a not-for-profit independent production facility that brings together writers, special effects wizards, and other creative talent from around the world who've worked on some of the most recognizable and respected science fiction franchises. So throw away your remote control and get real control by joining the Space Opera Society right now. With as little as one dollar, you can change the future of entertainment today. For more information, please visit our website. Which is, of course, spaceoperasociety.com. Where all your questions will be answered in our frequently asked questions page. And don't miss our short video presentation from some of our space opera series in development. I'm going to step off the limb. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Here at SFP Now. I think we're pretty sure we um, got our priorities straight. about wraps things up for this week uh, next week we have um, our Halloween special which is two hours of uh, sheer manic monster madness um, and joining me for that one will be uh, T. Sean Hardy and his wife Linda as we count you down through our top ten monsters while getting uh, slowly intoxicated and basically making things up as we go along <laughs> Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. It's a it's a fun show, so um, I think you guys will probably enjoy it. Um, also, uh, before I sign off on on this, um, we have a competition um, for our UK UK listeners, but it's also um, open to the rest of the world. It's just that you know, obviously, you'd have to make your own travel arrangements to get there. Um, but we have tickets to the Sci-Fi Weekender, um, which is going to be held next year in March. And it's um, one of the biggest science fiction and fantasy events in the UK. Um, I believe it's actually um, also the, um, the official event of uh, SFX magazine. Um, so it's, uh, it's well worth uh, checking out. And we'll have more information on that 
um, in the coming weeks. Uh, we just got to uh, you know sort sort a few details out and uh, and get the uh, competition email address sorted out so you guys uh, know know where to write to. Um, and we we've got to come up with a you know a little bit of question because we don't want to make it too easy for you. So you know keep keep an ear out for that and also keep an eye out for it on the uh, on the sci-fi post on that website uh, because it'll be coming up. Um, I think we will probably most likely, um, you know, run run the first, you know, first bulletin out about it on a, on an episode of John Retainment. Um, so it, it may be maybe the next episode uh, by the time we've got our app together and have all the uh, relevant information for you. So uh, keep an ear out for that. And um, that's it from me this week. I'll see you next week. the world order.